When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome to the H&J Daily, featuring some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Well, of course, we reflected on all the Premier League football this weekend, and with myself and Danny Kelly as Tottenham fans, we did have a few things to say about that abject performance at St James's <laughs> Park yesterday, but we covered all the games as always. We were also joined by Executive Director at Wrexham, Humphrey Kerr, a familiar face, of course, yeah. from uh, the uh, documentary series, talking about promotion and the future of the club. Yeah, we had a bit story. of a chat. We did. So, here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Andy. I'm trying to think. I mean, what's the biggest coating that you've ever witnessed for your team uh, over the years? I've seen Tottenham lose by seven uh, three times before, unfortunately. So yeah, was, I remember Forrest, uh, yeah. they lost 6-1 or something, six, or something like that in 81. But, you know, even this season, Chelsea haven't yeah. really been thrashed. No. Not as yet. I mean, they've still got to go up to City. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's interesting, actually. So I worked it out on Saturday. I was thinking about this. We had Graham Potter, so we had Potter. Yeah. Uh, on the shortlist are Pochettino and mm. Postacoglu. Yeah. I worked out with that logic, the new Chelsea manager will be... Postman Pat. Postman Pat, yeah, yeah, or Peter Purvis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Off, off of Blue Peter right, or something like that. I was going for the post. Oh, okay, are you going for the post? Oh, okay, I see. What's gone on with, I don't quite know what's gone on with Nagelsmann then. What, what went wrong there from a well, Chelsea? who knows, but all the ITKs say that uh, he, he talked himself out of the job, that he thought he was just going to walk in there and they were going to give him the job and he didn't realise he was, it was an interview, on a, sh- a short list with an interview. So there you go. Right. And yeah. Pochettino was interviewed better, apparently, is he? Is apparently, this the word? yeah. I think also that uh, they they wanted to get feedback from the fans about you know is, isn't too bad. And there are some who say we can't have an ex Spurs manager. I just think that's ludicrous. You know, I've had to correct a lot of people about what Pochettino uh, achieved at Tottenham, despite Daniel Levy. We've seen what's happened since he's yeah. left. You know, he got them regularly in the top four. He got them to the Champions League final, and this was despite having to play at Wembley, which is a disadvantage. Mm. You know, I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah, um, they're saying now that it's you know a decision could be imminent. So, so yeah. what do they do? Well, does does clubs, he take over, or does Frank Lampard and he just sort of comes in and that'll be entirely up to him? But games. I think I think both clubs could do with appointing somebody because even if the manager has a watching brief, the players that are there know the Spurs and Chelsea players would know they have to try. Yeah, they have to do something. To make an effort, or those that are staying, <laughs> that are staying, yeah. I mean, for, I mean, I don't know about Spurs, but if it was me, if I was Frank Lampard, I would definitely, with the 
directors of football just say, right, who's who's going to be here next year? Right, they know pretty much who they're going to try and get rid of. Right, well, don't bother with them at all. <laughs> the last six, seven games, let's just have the ones who want to play, who want right. to be here. So otherwise, you have your bomb squad, do yeah, you? Yeah, otherwise you fear, you would absolutely, otherwise you fear, you know, that game against Brentford on, on yeah. Wednesday night, there'll be no point to it because, you know, you're playing people who know they're not going to be there for a manager who knows he's not going to be there. Yeah. Then you get what you got yesterday at Newcastle. Mm. You know, that's what footballers are like. If they don't think the manager's going to be there, they don't bother. That's Danny it. Kelly's joining us in a moment. We're going to look at every game mm. in the Premier League this weekend. And in uh, all the... It was funny yesterday. We'll see what Danny made of it. And when he got to... I was watching it home with my youngest son. And it got to 5 nil, and I, I, I just started laughing. It was that bad at 5. I'd gone beyond being annoyed. I was oh, yeah. very annoyed after the first two goals because <laughs> yeah. there were such poor goals to give away. Pretty annoyed after the third. But by the fifth... It, I mean, in, in, in such a short time, I have seen. It's, it's embarrassing. I mean, in all the years I've been going, uh, I've seen us. As I said, I've seen us lose seven to Liverpool, seven to Newcastle, seven to Bayern Munich. That was under Pochettino, but that could happen to anybody. Um, but within the context of everything else that's going on mm. at the club at the moment, with the with the board and no director of football, no manager, I think it's the worst defeat uh, mm. in terms. Of, uh, of the club that, that I can remember in terms of damage to the club. And I, I, it, it was just a, a appalling, shocking performance. And look, Danny will join us shortly and we'll chat about it in a bit more detail. Um, yeah, and Stellini could be uh, gone today. It was a ridiculous appointment to start with. Absolutely mm. nobody saw that coming or when the decision was made. It made really no sense at all because it was effectively... The fact he'd had a couple of games as a caretaker when... When Conte was ill, was not enough of a reason to keep him in charge. No. It was just a mad. If they misstep. could get Nagelsmann now, you know, then you've got a chance of, you know, whoever comes in has got to try and persuade Harry Kane <laughs> to stay there. I, at the moment, you would imagine that he, he'd be mad to stay at Spurs, you know. But we'll based see. on what we saw yesterday, yeah. yeah, I mean, a new manager coming he must have in gone now, mad at half time, could I mean, possibly is... give him some belief. I don't know, but I mean, based on what we saw yesterday, yeah, uh, the idea that somehow a statue outside the new Tottenham Stadium is that'll be not, the clincher. That's not going to make him stay. <laughs> that'll be <laughs> cast in bronze. <laughs> he could have one in his back garden mm. instead, even though nobody ever saw it. Anyway, look, let's bring Danny Kelly in the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Danny Kelly, good afternoon, Danny. Good afternoon. How are you all doing? Good, I yeah. hope. Oh, yeah. Top, I of, the, am, top yeah. of the world, Mark. Yes. Tomorrow, I recommend yeah. it, actually. Yeah, having playing, a weekend off. They're not would, playing next week. Well, my either. team didn't play. Our team didn't play, except <laughs> the, 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 it's not. It's not always cracked up to be Andy, the <laughs> team not playing. <laughs> <laughs> there is uh, nothing more damning as a player. Maybe some of the players are listening now are in their cars, and if they did train this morning or they were given the day off to try and recover. But many of them on that pitch were a disgrace to the shirt. Um, and I don't think I'm, I'm overstating that. And that must be horrible for a player to hear, but I, I can think of no other way of describing it. Yeah, I mean, look, everybody knows this goes up to the top. Uh, and Daniel Levy's four years of increasingly um, poor decision-making culminating in the, and I'm going to use a word that has a context wider, the insane decision to make Christian Stellini the part-time coach. Um but as well as that, though, you have to look at the players as well. You're, you're absolutely right because they, whatever they've been through this season, changes of managers, people dying in the club, the 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 whole everything that's gone on. In the end, you are still a professional footballer. 
You have to have some personal and professional pride in your performance. You say play for the shirt, Paul. I say play for yourself, play for your family, play for the 2,000, whatever it was, people up in the gods there at Newcastle. Um, and to not do so, to, I mean, uh, uh, let's take one example, and there were many. Christian, sorry, Christian Romero, mm. he's, he, he has retired from professional football. He's yeah. won the World Cup and retired, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of the Argentinian players are struggling a bit now, though, to be not, fair. They, not maybe quite as much uh, as he has. I'm yeah. not seeing well, that in McAllister. He's not even, pre- pre- not even prepared to put in a tackle, but they, you know, you know, the, the Spurs goalkeeper appears to have uh, gone on for a year too long, all kinds of things. But you're absolutely right, Paul. And the, the shorthand is playing for the shirt. But deep down, human beings don't want to be thought of as uncaring or cowardly. And yet that's exactly what it looked like Spurs were at the weekend. And Paul, I, I, I can hear that you went into a kind of um, numbed mode hmm. and stopped being angry about it. Um, I'm not being funny here. Um, my Mrs. Blesser of a certain age, and we're all on various kinds of beta blockers and things, she, she seriously, she's in the UK, she seriously texted me and said, please watch your blood pressure. And she wasn't joking. She said, I am serious. Uh, of course, I was already on about 20 different pills by that stage. After the third goal, I just went to the, I just went to the bathroom and took whatever there was. I, I drank shampoo at one stage. But don't, Danny, don't players always do this? Not just Tottenham players, all players. I mean, look at Chelsea's players since Potter left and they know Lampard's not going to be there for the they haven't won a game they've lost every single game this is when United when they thought Ferguson was leaving they, they turned it in what, lame duck managers you that mean. is what players do they shouldn't do it but they always do and and you're and you're right to point that out because let's be honest here I mean I sound like an old hippie here <laughs> okay because that's what I am um the truth of the matter is as demonstrated by both the clubs who played there, and if you want to throw Aston Villa into the mix, in the end, football football teams and football clubs are a matter of harnessing energy. The positive energy of a manager who the players have bought into and the crowd admire and like what they're doing in front of them. It doesn't matter whether it's defensive, attacking, whatever. That energy is incredibly powerful. When that energy dissipates, you get the nonsense we saw at Newcastle. And... Spurs, by not appointing at least an interim manager that everyone could get behind, have allowed that energy not just to be harnessed, but to become absolutely negative. Mm. And I, you know, I, I know Pochettino with his lemons and all the rest of it, but there's a truth in this, you know, that the uh, football clubs, what do they, you know, most of the players are equally good, unless you've got Manchester City's players. They're all equally good. The grounds are big, the pitches are perfect, all the rest of it. All it is, is the energy being organised from the top through the medium of the manager to go forward positively. Mm. And Spurs have just uh, uh, signally failed in that department um, and not for the first time in the last few years either. I, I, I don't have a great deal of faith, Danny, in this hierarchy currently. A, to make the, the right appointment and B, even if they do, to back that appointment sufficiently and support that appointment sufficiently. It's but I don't been, just mean buying players. Yeah, no. I mean churning players, letting players go, which have often been reluctant uh, to do, I don't have any faith in this hierarchy again. That's why there's this sort of feeling of helplessness because I don't particularly see it getting better anytime soon. And the problem with that, of course, is you're in the absolutely traditional football supporters bind, whereby you want to support the team, you want to support the shirt, and yet you can't stand or don't trust the regime. And this is where we as supporters get gaslighted the whole time, doesn't it? You you say something negative about the team. 
um, and you're going against all your nature and, and you know the traditions of English football fans. Um, but if you say something positive and say we should get behind it for Manchester United, then you're back in the regime. Mm. And it's a, it's a horrible. It's almost you know. Uh, I think I said on another platform recently, football fans, particularly of clubs that are failing, we're not supporters anymore. We're hostages. They've got us chained to the radiator, and it's horrible. And you're right, but the only good thing to come out of the last 10 days, Paul, is that um, where it has exposed Christian Stellini as out of his depth and clueless. It has exposed the players as gutless, but it has also exposed Daniel Levy. He's got nobody else left to hide behind. Paratici mm. is gone. Conte is gone. There's just you, Danny, staring at us down from, <laughs> from your perch in the main stand. Um, and he... To say he has got to get this stuff right, Paul, um, is to state the obvious. What would happen if he didn't? I don't know. But yeah. um, there's at least there's no buffer between you, a, a season ticket holder, and he anymore. He's there. Mm. We have to have a quick word for Newcastle. Let me say, what about us? Uh, to burst, I don't think they had to play that well. Mm. I mean, it was a bit like playing Blythe Spartans in the third round of the Cup, wasn't it? <laughs> I absolutely I'm... disagree. Blythe Spartans would not have allowed themselves. <laughs> no, they would not. They would have played 4-5-1, yeah. and they would have not yeah. allowed themselves to be exposed hey, like that. Hey, Newcastle. Because... Sorry, boy. Hey, Danny, I was going to say, yeah, Newcastle have benefited by the fact that Liverpool, Chelsea and Spurs yeah. are pretty awful this they, season. They'd scored some very nice goals, but they probably won't have an easier mm. afternoon. And in the second half, which, of course, Tottenham drew, they, they had a cigar on. They didn't need to play. But we all know they were a good uh, side. They, they and the drew old... because they brought on Davidson Sanchez. Yeah, yes, exactly. He made the difference, which is crazy. <laughs> and, he was their uh, best player. We all know Newcastle were going to play well, which they did. Good uh, for them. Just good for them, of course. Just weren't expecting 6-1. Anyway, we move on to Bournemouth. Nil... West Ham four, an actual shot result. I mean, I wouldn't have been surprised if West, maybe West Ham had gone there and nicked it. I personally thought it might be a draw in light of the fact that they'd played on Thursday night and Bournemouth were starting to turn it on. But that was, I mean, there's no, there's yeah, a, great defending from set plays. Yeah, oh, it just completely fell apart. I mean, you know, maybe they feel the players at the back of their minds, we're back to the players again, feel they've done enough mm. to survive now and just took their foot off the gas and got a bit of a, got a, bit of a shellacking. I bet when I bet when they um, when they saw Southampton three one up at Arsenal with mm. a few minutes ago, they weren't thinking we've done enough because the Premier League at least it can you can be said that most of the teams all the way down most years have got some really good players and it's as honest in terms of effort. Hello, Spurs players. It's <laughs> normally just a hundred percent honest in terms of effort. You've ne- you you have to get over that point where you've done enough. But it's interesting you mentioned it, Paul, because I think that's what's going on with West Ham. Uh, they they have done enough. Um, of course, they would want to. The kind of players and wages they're they're they're, they're both uh, employing and paying. Um, but they, I think they know they've done enough, so they could they were relaxed. They are going to win. I suspect the Europa Conference League. It's not what it was there for for the likes of Roma and West Ham to win it. But I think they are going to win it. Uh, their first European trophy since 1965. Mm. Um, mm. They and so I think they were incredibly relaxed. But Bournemouth had a lot of possession. I mean, a real lot of possession. But very little end product at all. And of course, um, West Ham reverted. We shouldn't be surprised that Bournemouth haven't been great underneath high balls all season. Set piece. But don't forget, last season, West Ham were the absolute kings of this. Mm. And they just reverted to type a little bit. Mm. I think that's right. But they're going to lose their best player at the end of the season, it looks like that. So, you know, do they keep Moyes? Is it attractive for a new manager? It's going to be interesting to see what they do. 
I look, you know, I was thinking this about Spurs over the weekend. What, what, who would want to manage them? Who would want to play for them? And the answer is, of course, everybody. Same with West Ham. The prem, if you're playing or managing in Spain, Italy, Holland, where we, where we, you know, places where we drag our personnel from these days, the pay rise just to go to a middle-ranking Premier League team is huge. Mm. And most professional football people, if you talk to them frankly, um, you know, in, in, with the lights down low, they'll tell you that it's all about the, the, the cash and they need to get those contracts under their belt um, in what is, for most people, a relatively short career. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I, take, I take the point about replacing Declan Rice, um, but they, you know, they're, they're, there's never a shortage of people queuing up to go to Premier League clubs. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Brighton nil, Manchester United nil, 7-6 on pens. Very fortunate, United, I thought. Yeah. Um, I've got this theory, Danny, you can see what he mm. thinks of it, but United, I think, are a real spoiling team that hit you on the counter. And if they go, he's got one plan, Ten Hag, and if they go 1-0 down, that's why they often lose quite badly, mm. because there's no way coming back from that. If it's 0-0 or they're 1-0 up, then, of course, it suits the way they play. But I thought yesterday they were, they were fortunate. Yeah, I mean, it was a good game. First and foremost, let's say that for, for the way Paul announced that they're drably as a nil-nil, it's actually <laughs> a very good game, I thought. Um, and uh, yes, Andy, I, I, I totally agree. Uh, until they get a, a killer striker, God forbid, um, that they're going to play like that under Ten Hag. The other thing that struck me, and I'm sorry, I'm fighting a really old battle here. Uh, everyone seems to love the drama of penalty shootouts. I thought it was a terrible way to decide a game that close. Mm. Um, and not just because Brighton lost, because, you know, it, it was it was a touch and go for both teams, really. Um, I, I would have been happy to... You can't do it because of the schedules and all the rest of it. I would have loved to have seen a replay of that game. Um, but I'm, I'm, I realise I'm in a tiny minority here for whom uh, penalty shootouts, I mean, it's just... Modern football, and can't you? You can watch it on a mobile phone. It only takes five minutes, and there's your result. Um, Brighton, were, Brighton were really unlucky. They were very, you know, they, they, I say that I thought the game was very, very close, but Brighton didn't take their chances at the exact mm. moments when they would have, you know, meant something really important in the game. One or two, t- Mitomo's touch was slightly off after a brilliant season. Mm. Um, uh, you know, and you have to give United credit as well because this is they, uh, what you're describing, and it's a team that hangs in there. Yeah. And they hung in there and they got something out of it. Yeah. And and a lot, a lot of personnel pressure, you know. Luke Shaw again playing centre back in a t- in a four, you know. Mm. He did very well, I thought. Yeah, he did. Yes, he did. And uh, you kind of sense if Evan Ferguson, you know, it's incredible being relying on an eighteen-year-old. But had he been playing, you think Brighton would have won that game? Well, he's such a natural finisher. Yeah, mm. I think he, you know, the, the chances, the amount of time the ball was bouncing around Manchester United's penalty area, mm. um, and the much the much criticised De Gea did well as well. Um, yeah, you, you'd think that Evan Ferguson would put, you know, put the outside of his foot to one of those and pass it into the net. Um, and hopefully, um, Brighton will hang on to him because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm never one for selling other clubs' players. Um, and he will solve one of their long-running problems. And if they continue to, to I mean, they'll, they'll you know, that will sell some of their players, but if they continue to develop as they are, he, he could be the final piece in a very, very important jigsaw. We might see them mm. um, in you know a regular top six team, uh, which would be amazing. Yeah, Manchester City three, Sheffield United nil. Sheffield United sort of hanging there, the first real chance of the game, hanging there as long as they could. But um, you know, it, it kind of was fairly predictable. This wasn't it. It's it, it is a mark of um, Manchester City and their dominance, and you know that. 
it's the semi-final of a major, major trophy. And they've got 78% um, possession on a neutral ground. Um, they are, I, I said it last weekend, last week to you, you know, that at the moment they are almost supernaturally good. And they can bring in Mares, who doesn't always start, but he's a really big, if you check Mares' record, he is a big game player. He seems mm. to do what he, he, he looks like a luxury player, but when the big, when the, when the chips are down, um, he's very reliable for them. And I, I thought Sheffield United did everything they possibly could, but it's not a good look for English football. Uh, you know, a semi-final could be so one-sided. Um, and City, as we said again before, if they have 20 minutes when they play well, the game is over and they got those three goals in 20 minutes. And that final now, the old Manchester derby, it kind of does depend on what's gone on before that game is played because, you know, stopping them doing the treble that they did would be, uh, uh, you know... Yeah, it's a good incentive. A great incentive, but, we, you know, it does depend on what's happened in the other competitions. Yeah, but it's, it's a fantastic showcase, isn't hmm. it? I mean, um, London has a lot of football clubs and I'm old enough to remember... I was still at primary school, but I remember the Evening Standard when Spurs and Chelsea reached the final in 1967. Wow. And it said, London's Cup, when it went across the headline <laughs> um, on the back page. Um, and now, you know, here's Manchester, an amazing football city in of itself. But it's taken a long time, 150 years for yeah. the two of them to reach the same, that final together. And, you know, that, you know, if you're, if you're a PR for the FA Cup, that, that is a dream, isn't it? Mm. And you're right, Paul, if there's stuff hanging on it like another treble... Um, well, you know, again, I would get into my TARDIS. I'd, right now, to get away from is, Spurs, I'd go forward in time to see that final. Yeah, it is June the 3rd, which is really late. It is really Just late. very quickly on semi-finals at Wembley. Henry wins. He writes this every year, but he's not wrong. Oh, yeah. He just thinks it's embarrassing. He said the embarrassing sight of 20,000 empty seats at Wembley on Saturday. Foolish. it again why we all know, should be at neutral venues. We all know why. Wembley. Still yeah. paying for Wembley. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're tone deaf to it. It's never going to change now. Every, nobody thinks it's a great idea. They always say it's a chance for more fans to go that wouldn't get tickets otherwise yeah right I mean you could see the big gaps in the crowd there just the, just the price of those tickets plus the price of the travel yeah. please give us a break um, uh, so uh, Liverpool 3 Nottingham Forest 2 I mean that could have been 3-3 three, three. Brennan Johnson had that one off the bar at the end oh, yeah. and there's something not quite convincing yet uh, about Liverpool is there really Jekyll and Hyde uh, home and away from home Jekyll and Hyde within games where sometimes you see the you see a return of the press. Jota trying to replace what Mane they lost when he went to Bayern Munich, um, where he doesn't play, of course. Um, <laughs> but, but Jekyll and Hyde even within games. But I've said it on here before. Forgive me for repeating myself. Their midfield no longer covers their back four. Their back four is no longer what it was. And so, despite the fact that they can get tremendous momentum going at home with the crowd behind them, they are always liable to concede goals. For Nottingham Forest, you could honestly say that wasn't a relegation performance. That was better than that. But four defeats on the spin now. Um, and it, it, we're at the stage of the season where even I, um, the king of, oh, let's play some decent football, say that performances perhaps need to take a back seat to, to results. Yeah. Um, and you could, someone could say, oh, they're, they're never going to go to Anfield and win. But as you run out of games, you've got to win the ones that are in front of you, you know. Yeah, point would have been Really bad. If Forrest go down, though, teams will want Gibbs White. He has been a star man for them. I think they'll want Brennan Johnson as well. Yeah, yeah Johnson as well, yeah. yeah. But, you um, know, um, yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a strange one. Again, set pieces doing for them. But once again, some terrible marking at the back, so... Going to be tough. We've lost faith in man marking. The, the coaches yeah. have lost faith in, in that he's your man. Uh, so we see we, we see all the traditional wrestling, but it's not as 
as well aimed as it used to be. It's not as laser precise as it used to be. No. I am going to stop you physically running at the goal, and he's going to stop you, and he's going to stop you. But they, they, it's a, we're at a halfway house now with some people zonal, some people going on the near post because that's thought to be a good place to clear the ball. Um, we need to. I think we need to renew faith in defenders and marking uh, attackers, yeah. but that seems to be gone. Something else we've done is uh, mm. the, the, a size differential we seem to like now. I've seen Oliver Skip marking Dan Byrne from corners yesterday, so that's not <laughs> well, a fair... This, this Why, a, we see a lot of this, don't we? Yeah, do Skip is now in charge of marking the tallest player. I don't get it. <laughs> I mean, good job Jose Dominguez isn't still playing <laughs> for Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, Andy. That's right, definitely. Uh, anyway, we move on to Brentford 1... Aston Villa won. Andy, a game you were at. I was at. Not a particularly great game. Brentford deserved to win, no question about it. Villa was strangely passive until they, you know, basically conceded. Ollie Watkins, you know, there was obviously a comparison between Watkins and Ivan Tony. Ivan Tony won that easily, hands down. And uh, other than that, uh, it was interesting. I sit right behind the dugouts at Brentford, so I can see the managers and... uh, Unai Emery goes mad throughout the game. Yeah. There's a lot of product in his hair. That's Do you think, sure. could you see a bit of, it's a bit of it's gel, is it? A heavy, a heavy gelling. A heavy and gelling. Frank's very cool and very encouraging. Not when they scored the equaliser. No, he, he went absolutely mad. He did they? a bit of a Wenger down. Yeah. He was trying to tear his clothes off. You remember the way so that angry. Arsene Wenger used yeah. to fiddle with his zip and try and rip his big old oh, bench that, coat off? That big old puffer coat, yeah, yeah. of course. Thomas Frank yeah, went down big, the same route the other day. It was a big hair off in the technicals, wasn't it? You had... Thomas Frank with his 1970s yacht rock, yacht, yacht rock haircut, <laughs> and um, and Unai, who let's be honest, it gives him a touch of the night. If, yeah. You wouldn't be surprised to find out he was football's football's first vampire, would you? You wouldn't be he at all surprised if he, if he went out if, if he was fronting the damned at a gig. You wouldn't you wouldn't no. look twice, would you? you uh, no, look twice. About, about time they they, they they got a new lead singer. Yeah, <laughs> he, he put a positive spin on it at the end of the game, but I thought they were very lucky Villa to get anything. Brentford had three great chances to make it 2-0. They didn't. They should have done. And, uh, yeah, that's two points dropped for them, I think. But good season anyway. And just to throw in a a stat here, there there were five five shots on target for the home team, two shots on target for the away team, a pattern repeated in three other Premier League games. Mm. Not very many shots. Home advantage seems to count. Mm. And I think it's the World Cup. I think the players are prematurely tired now and not going for emotions but yeah. not able to raise themselves to the levels they might have done in a normal season a good substitutions by Emery though you know he's mm. he sort of bold he made some big calls and, and uh, they got them the point in the end the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast yeah understandably elated the Arsenal fans at uh, getting that uh, equaliser but the silence Danny uh, at the end the players you know, despite a great comeback at three-one down to have taken a point, well, it's like they basically lose, lost six points. It's yeah. two defeats. So. Feeling that it wasn't enough. I don't think I've ever heard silence after a fight back like that. But it's understandable. Um, you, you could argue that the game by the end, and you know and what fun it was by the end, um, that the game was a small d disaster for both teams. Mm. Um, Arsenal, um, you know, the last they keep dropping these points. Um, and, you know, the only thing they can say in their favour is they still have it in their own hands. If City win all their games, they're champions of England. If Arsenal do the same, they're champions of England. And for the Arsenal to take it this late, this deep into the season, is still a remarkable achievement. Um, for Southampton, it, they'll feel even worse because um, to, to, to throw away a two-goal lead in the last 12 minutes when you're so desperate for the points. I mean, they'll argue that, you know, it shows that we can still play and all that, but that must have been a head wrecker for them as well. Um, 
I think I think it was the culmination of, the th- of those th- three recent results for Arsenal's fans that they maybe they may feel that they're stumbling towards the, the finishing line. You know, mm. they I, are. But it's interesting, isn't it, that we talked a lot about key players. You get your key players injured. And look at Saliba. The the stats, it's really, you know, it's just there. Yeah. When he plays, they don't concede so much. And when he doesn't play, they do concede. I guess that's not helping Rob Holding. I'm sure everybody in training and the coaches are sort of talking him up and keeping him positive. But all the talk is, is of him. That's their only chance on Wednesday night. Not being night. as good as Saliba and as Andy Saliba's said. not fit for Wednesday night. Well, they, I, they're I, in big trouble. It doesn't look like he, he may not be back to the very end of the season. If that, There was an interesting line from Jonathan Norcroft in the uh, Sunday mm-hmm. Times yesterday. Uh, he's talking about Arsenal. He said they're not bottling it, but letting too much out of the bottle, too much emotion, too much hurry, too much risk. That feeling that that slight lack of control at a time maybe when they need that for all the good and for all the lovely football they're playing. Well, I, I'm glad that you know people are trying to make sense of this phrase "bottling it." I, I've always found it's incredibly disrespectful. Yes. We can have a go at Spurs' players and they clearly weren't putting a shift in, but no one could complain that Arsenal are not flat out. And, and, you know, and if Jonathan's argument is that they're a bit too attacking, well, I say good for them. Um, you know, people, this idea of bottling is it, such a weird little shorthand for a... For, the game's supposed to be competitive. It's not an exhibition. The opposition are allowed to be good. You're mm. allowed to have an off day. Um uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about that, Paul. What they're doing has served them so well, but at the right, at the wrong moments, they've had at the absence of Saliba and Xhaka, and who knew that he would turn out to be such an important player? Mm. And it may just have borne down the team a bit more than they than they can handle. I think Jack yeah. is back on Wednesday. Yeah, the illness was so he'll make a big difference. Yeah, I mean, so. you've, if you've blown two two nil leads and then do that on Friday, it, yeah, right, it's not bottling it, but it's not great. It's going to put doubt in your mind. But no, you know, you no, no, of course, you wouldn't at all be surprised if they went to City and and turned it on on Wednesday. You just don't know. So One, which is positive though very quickly because we've also talked about that over the years Bednarek it was good that they made him go off yeah that he you know he wanted to he, yeah. you know, that yeah. thing where he wanted to come on of course he did he wanted to stay on no they were right the physios right. did yeah, did yeah. the right and thing and I'm sure this morning he probably thinks to himself yeah. you know this is the right thing absolutely and we move on to a huge result for Leicester City Leicester 2 Wolves 1 uh, yeah Leicester were bold three strikers out there yeah um, and yeah it, it paid off for, for Dean Smith but I mean you know man they needed that result didn't they but you you said it you know they, they, they needed a result and they they have seemed incapable of keeping clean sheets so the only way to, to deal with that is to go on the attack and um, for the first time we saw um, Inacho and Patson Dacker and Vardy all in the same team. Of course, when they went a goal down, people had been biting their lip, but they had the firepower to come back and do it. And they're another example, aren't they, of you, the teams who think they've done enough. Leicester are perfectly capable of winning two or three games on a spin, in my belief. Mm. Um, and then, then everyone else is thrown straight back into that, that roiling mass at the bottom of the Premier League. Um, 15 shots at goal from 42, 42% possession. Um, pretty good. And Leicester of old, wasn't it? They were they they didn't have a, all of the ball, but they made a lot of shots. You know, second goal was lovely football, and I I think they're too, I think they're too good to go down. But you know, people have said that before. Well, I mean, just a reminder: they're outside the bottom three on goal difference. Uh, they're on 28 points, the same as uh, Everton. 
And um, yeah, they've got some interesting games coming up. So, uh, including Leeds away, of course, tomorrow. Mm, is... And then they go to Everton. So, I think we'll probably what know fun. by next weekend or next Monday evening where Leicester City are at. Um, mm. As for Wolves, can they get sucked back in, Danny? Do you think that unlikely or, or not? I mean, they're on 34 points. Nah, six, six points out of the bottom three. I suspect they'll be all right because they, they've got decent players, they've got a, a good manager. Um, that will that will have hurt that result, particularly having taken the lead. Given that you know Wolves have been traditionally pretty strong defensively, um, I think they're, they've got a few home games remaining, and I think they'll gather up a, yeah. a handful of points to keep themselves safe. That's one of our. We're bringing you every game from this week in the uh, this week in the Premier League. Leeds Leicester Fantastic. is uh, a Talksport exclusive um, with Sam Matavase and Danny Mills commentating. Adrian Durham, host, eight o'clock on Tuesday evening. But all the games are. Covered and so, big one, of course. Yes, uh, let's move on to yeah, the big one on Wednesday, mm. uh, including uh, uh, that as well. Uh, City versus Arsenal, um, Fulham two, Leeds United one. <laughs> I did, I was want to say, I didn't see a lot of this game, but I saw something that just drives you so mad. All fans, Mark Rocker, the had a corner for. Leeds. I think it took him four attempts to get it right. Oh. I think they actually scored from the last one, but they couldn't show up match today. They had to come in later because otherwise the commentator would have been saying something like, I can't believe this is the fourth time he's taking this same corner. <laughs> I mean, what are they doing training? It's unbelievable. I mean, you know, we all we all think you know the best thing to do is to belt the ball to approximately the middle of the goal, about eight yards out, give the defender something to do. Um, I was. In, uh, I can't remember who the co-commentator was, but he said, "Well, of course, with great expertise." He said, "Of course, the players are trying to do something here, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. What? Get it into the penalty area? Yeah, yeah I get that." We, um, we may it, see it a was, change. Of, was very funny. We may see a change of keeper. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Gracier is, is really is, struggling. Isn't yeah, it? he's he's kind of hinting at possibly making this, which is a bold thing to do this late in the season. I know, and particularly as they've put so much faith in Elon Melier over mm. the last two years. Um, but the evidence for your own eyes here, this is the, the, the classic uh, eye test, isn't it? Is that he is not a goalkeeper getting himself into the correct positions and reacting quickly enough to, to save shots that he would, no doubt in training, um, be exactly able to do. But boy, um, if you change your goalkeeper at this late stage of the season, you better have faith that the new fella coming in is going to do better. And well done to Fulham. That's uh, two back-to-back wins. No, it was, uh, everybody thought they were going to be on the beach mm. now. They're, they're, they're surviving without Mitrovic and, um, you know, yeah, they're proving Mar- everybody Marco wrong. Marco Silva had plenty to say after the game about disrespecting mm. what Fulham are achieving because they're still on target for, I think, maybe a club record mm. um, points total in the, pre- in the Premier League, which is pretty extraordinary. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a bit interrupted here because I can see a breaking news thing on the on the screen in front of me and pictures of Christian Stellini, but I don't know what it means yet. Um, and just oh, now they've gone to a break. Yes, I think they oh, are. Oh, no. They, no, no, they, 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 they've, oh, maybe, maybe I'm overreacting again because I'm, I'm on high alert um, for emergency <laughs> podcasting. No, there is no news, no news at the moment. They're just considering his position. He won't be there by Thursday. Definitely uh, not. I, I wouldn't think. It's been interesting to see who they bring too in, Danny. Toxic. They can't. Risk I mean, it. they have already. They have a brains trust and a, a Tottenham kind of cabal of Ryan Mason, who probably should have got the job. Uh, sure. Three weeks yeah. ago, they've also Ledley. got Ledley King there. He's in, he's, I think he's an ambassadorial role. Jermaine Defoe's yeah. been working there. Yaya Toure's working at the it's club. Got, 
They have, yep. they have, they have people there that could uh, have some input over the next Harry's few weeks. A, Harry's volunteered for the gig, hasn't Harry, he? Harry Redknapp <laughs> yeah. has as well. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Anyway, let's squeeze in the last game. Even uh, Roy yeah. Hodgson said he probably wouldn't be watching this one back unless it for, was for research I've, I've purposes. I've got one note. It says, Holgate's red card was about the most exciting thing that happened. Yeah, Palace. Nil, Everton, nil. They've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin back, but he's not going to be match-sharp and getting him match-sharp for these last few games. It's been such a stop-start season. If you're relying on him um, to come good in the last few games, you, you know, a friend, the, the odds are against it, you would think. A friend of my son works at a well-known restaurant posh restaurant in West London yep. and Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Tom Davis were there after the match they came for, I think for dinner oh nice or possibly a late lunch okay yes uh, <laughs> how lovely well yeah, done players eating exclusive I thought I'd mention it yeah <laughs> he was so happy he put what it did on they his, have I don't know he put it on his Instagram and then Tom Davis said, oh, thanks for looking after us. He oh. put a little thing underneath his nice. sleeve. Okay, nice. well, thank you. A little bit they of showbiz gossip. They both look great. Yeah. Very fashionable. Not a stunner. I, I, la- I laughed before I, before I, 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 before I saw the, the uh, highlights. Hmm. The scoreline just made me laugh because Roy Hodgson, uh, Sean Dyche, both sides Bennett would think, would think a point is pretty good here. Although Everton did play quite an attacking team, it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, they, it was played out. It was a, a lovely old stroll about in the English, whatever the weather was like in London that day. Mm. Um, and at a point that both sides, you know, if you, if you absolutely press them, would say, yeah, that's all right, isn't it? I'm not suggesting it was any kind of collusion. I'm just <laughs> saying, um, if you get two veteran English coaches and say, a draw will probably do both of you. You can work out what kind of game it's going to be. So, um, just just time, Danny, yeah. to de- to nominate or decide whose turn it is in the barrel this week. And I know your son's already done some of the background work, but I want to introduce you, Paul. Yes. To the Heidelberg Tun. Yes. The Heidelberg Tun is the biggest barrel in the world. <laughs> yeah, funny. It was built in 1751 as a, for a winery in Germany, as mm. the name suggests, and it holds. A quarter of a million litres of wine, Fantastic. which by the time the fifth goal went in, I would like to go swimming in that. I'll yeah. be truthful with you. With top- and of course, yes. I put Levy in it. Put Levy in it. He's responsible, well, in my opinion. We have the, the coaching staff, the playing staff. Um, yeah. And not Davidson Sanchez. Not Davidson Sanchez. He can, can sit I, can this Can I make you play for Danny Rose's chauffeur's outfit? Yes, it was great to see Danny. <laughs> Danny, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Janet Jackson. <laughs> Danny's look was an interesting Tremendous. one, wowing the yeah, crowds. Danny, the Russian Navy has disbanded largely. You, <laughs> yeah. don't, you don't need that gear. You can't beat epaulets, can you, on a jacket? Oh, I love They're lovely, aren't they? Brilliant. Yeah. That's a good look. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah. So you were telling me somebody had a haircut in the middle of a match. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to the TalkSport website for this. See if I can just find it. They, um, they Apparently they spotted... Some bloke at the Manchester United uh, Brighton game having a haircut, put he's sitting down in his uh, seat. Somebody's put the gown round him, and he's having a bit of a trim. Someone, I mean, whoever it was, did well to get the clippers into the stadium. Yeah, exactly. Wasn't a particularly good search, was it? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah an onlooker, now, you can charge them and use those. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, an onlooker said he could be seen donning a barber's gown, sat down in his seat while the rest of the fans were stood up. Watching the play. An onlooker. An onlooker. One fan said, peak if we score, his hairline is finished. But yeah, what about that? Someone having a bit of a haircut at the game. If you've seen anything quite as weird and wonderful as that going on while there was a football match uh, happening, then uh, do let us know. Talksport.com, text 81089, tweet TSH&J. Congratulations to everybody who ran the London Marathon. It's always fun to watch the star of it. I'm not that interested in the elite runners, but the actual fun side yeah, yeah, is yeah. great but I spoke to one of our former program directors I had a chat with him he's a big Brentford fan mm. I had a chat with him on uh, Saturday afternoon he, he did the marathon yesterday oh okay and I said to him is it right because I was trying to remember you know my memory so bad I said is it right that many many years ago and it turned out to be 20 years ago funnily enough you did the marathon with no training yeah and he said that's exactly didn't he run it in his shoes something like that what happened was now I don't know if it was in his shoes but he said to me <laughs> they, they had a certain amount of places and nobody wanted to fill none of the ex-footballers that we had working here at the time like my Alan. back my yeah, back exactly yeah. wanted to do it not mentioning any names Moose it was the year Moose he reminded me that Moose took eight hours he walked he it he walked it yeah <laughs> uh, but well done to them and the, the bloke yesterday they had this guy the milkman Honestly, it's all so woke now, isn't it? He had four pints in his thing that he was carrying. He said, I've got skin, semi-skin, full fat, and a vegan alternative. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> You're a milkman. That's right. Was he a real milkman or not? Well, yeah, he was. He was a real milkman. I suppose they do sell uh, milk alternative, dairy alternatives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I've got a good one for the Duke of Kent. My, oh, yeah, my yeah, old, yeah. The... My old friend, my old pal, my old beauty. Yes. President of the Scout Association, uh, this afternoon took the salute of the National Parade of Queen Scouts at Windsor Castle. That's because he thought Bobber Job Hewitt, the veteran doubles player, was going to be there. <laughs> uh, the point you're making is, Andy, he's, he's quite the, uh, he's quite the, like a bit of the tennis. tennis fan. We brought you news last week of the world's largest bran flake. And, of course, in the world of uh, tabloids, <laughs> you can't say the word bran flake twice. You have to oh, find no, an alternative. Say. And the alternative they found was uh, the high-fibre mega show. Mm-hmm. Well, there was another one on show this week. A lad brandishes a bran flake bigger than the monster mouthful we revealed last week. Again, you can't say uh, bran flake. The alternative this time was Wheaty Whopper. Oh, I love a Wheaty so there Whopper. there we are, that's right. An amazing photo of... Um... Fibrous bad boy they also went with. <laughs> I think they good. were warming to it, the subs, when they uh, when they wrote that piece. Incredible f- a photo of Norman Tebbit, the former politician, mm. in the papers the this morning. Not the plumber, no. Yeah. He, he's wearing an England cricket shirt, a flat cap, a pair of shorts... A pair of tights and some dress shoes. I was thinking, even Lewis Hamilton wouldn't go out in an outfit like that. Why? Uh, why? 
Exactly. Why is he? That's a strange photo, isn't it? Why is he dressed like that? No. Oh yeah. What about? It? Well, he is as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although Lewis Brief. Oh yeah, I like that. I get that. Thing. Yeah. I'll do it That's myself. It could be a Lewis Hamilton job. And this yeah. bloke. People. This is a brilliant bit of football logic from a bloke who wrote to the Star. Now, oh yes. I'm going to find it. Here it is. It says, "If Man U had won the seven games we lost." We would have been top of the league, but we can still get 83 points, which may be still enough to win it, says Clive in Basildon. <laughs> Typical United fan. No, it isn't. You've got no chance. No, you I can tell you, if Chelsea hadn't lost the 12 games they've lost this season, we'd be top four. It's bonkers, mate. That, you can't do that. That's what, it is what it is. Uh, I don't know if you were aware that Karen Matoma, the Brighton player, um, took a degree. Um, I think he sort of decided not... Uh, he played pro football and then was offered another club mm. and decided just to have a bit of a break and continue with his studies. Mm. And, uh, yes, he went to the School of Physical Education at uh, university and did a thesis on dribbling. <laughs> it's good, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> the Sunday Times were telling us yesterday, he attached GoPros to the heads of teammates from the university team he played for, and he found out, kind of looked at the eye lines, the best dribblers. Um, and he said they looked, he said they basically they, they weren't, they didn't look at the ball when trapping it or running with it. Instead, they looked outwards to the pitch. They weren't actually looking at their own Ooh, feet. That takes kind a of bit instinctive. Skill, doesn't it? Really? worked hard on the analysis, often coming back from a game or training session tired, but still firing up the computer and labouring into the night. So, yeah, we are. Very <laughs> professor different of approach. dribbling. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, professor of dribbling at the university. Uh, David Miller, our old friend, uh, 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 etc. Well, call him that. Not really. There no. we are, yeah. He has a classical music column in the Mail on Sunday. Oh, yes. And he, this is what he wrote yesterday about Handel, the great Not composer, the old Chelsea player. Not the plumber. No. <laughs> exactly. There's a tendency, uh, 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 I won't do it like that, to assume that everything he wrote was a work of genius, when in fact more than almost any other composer, Handel's music validates the old saw. Consistency of achievement is the hallmark of mediocrity. I think you should know, mate. Oh, no need for that. Also, it, it's just trying <laughs> I'll tell to you, you, there is a need for it. <laughs> it's uh, it, it's basically saying, as Adrian would have said back in the day, Handel is he all that? That is exactly what. And he's the idea saying. that you could have a, a, a classical music phone in that would be quite good, wouldn't it? On the, <laughs> uh, an old colleague of ours here, Daniel Yowovetska, works on uh, on the classical music channel for the BBC. Mm. So the idea of doing like a phone in, um, Dave, <laughs> Dave from uh, Harlers just. Hello, Dave. Hello, uh, Danielle. Yeah, love the show. Just want to say, handle for me to Bob. But just the same sensibilities you'd get, you know. Never liked any of his stuff. Don't get what all the fuss is about, you know. I wouldn't have picked him myself. And just like all the sensibilities of football phoning, but about classical music. Will that take off, Andy? <laughs> yeah, it could do. You're giving it a chance. Yeah, I'm giving you, it a you chance. Look, you look sceptical. Anyway, no, no, he's we're slightly sceptical. See if we can get that away. Yeah, base bay open for me all day. Yeah, the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. The newspapers love taking uh, stuff straight out of uncredited podcasts and just do it as a quote. So mm. this this appeared in the Daily Star today. It said Phil Neville and Robbie Savage told teammates in a charity match not to pass to Ronan Keating because he's so poor. Says Jack Whitehall. Okay. That has to come from a podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> they didn't suddenly interview Jack Whitehorn and he decided to say that. <laughs> Did you know about this? I was at Martin Samuels writing in the Sunday Times yesterday. I remember back in the day, mm. agents used to have to do exams uh, mm. to get like licenses yeah. um, and be FIFA affiliated. It was the bond for a while. The bond, right? that's right. Yeah, the they had to pay yeah. a bunch of money, didn't they? Mm. Was it quite a lot of money, wasn't it, that they had to pay mm. in to, to get an official license? But Martin Samuels saying yesterday that uh, this yeah, FIFA for exam apparently is happening again there are 20 questions it's an hour long test and they're multiple choice 
So I'd, I'd love to have a look at the paper, wouldn't you? Mm. It would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, the pass mark's 75%, so you've got, got to get 15 out of 20 right uh, to, to be an agent these days. So... 15%, percent well, Yeah, 15%, 15%. What sort of questions uh, they yeah, ask? What they give them should, like... Should you so a player comes to you and says they want X, do you A? I mean, is yeah. it kind of practical stuff? I've got absolutely no idea. It must be. See if we can get hold of one of those, that'll be good. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yes, Wrexham are back in the uh, Football League mm. and uh, joining us now to chat about that is uh, the Executive Director at the club, uh, familiar face on the uh, documentary series, of course, Humphrey Kerr. Hi, Humphrey. Hello. Good afternoon. Had a, been quite lively since Saturday evening. Was it? Was it a, a late night? I'm guessing it probably was. I think that's fair to say. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I was a bit of a bit of a lightweight and a bit overwhelmed, really, and slunk off quite early. But um, you know, it's the the footage of our players in the McDonald's on the high street at two a.m. is starting to trickle in, and we've got we're starting to build a picture like detectives of what they got up to on the night in question. Mm. Um, and it looks like they, uh, you know, they they and everyone in the town made the most of it. You're kind of, t- I mean, you're kind of to blame for this, aren't you? Because it was you that was uh, showing Rob McElroy and he the football and saying, yeah, this is, you know, this is the game I love. And he was watching games with you. So it was kind of you that gave him the bug, wasn't it? it uh, yes, to a certain extent. I, I often use the analogy of it, though, that it's a bit like I gave my friend a packet of seeds and was like, oh, have you ever seen these? You know, uh, <laughs> ro- roses are good. And then he planted them and watered them and put the manure on and pruned them. And this incredible rose bush grew up. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I was there at the start, and and that's a great privilege, and that's been part of my journey to this point. Uh, has been trying to act as a kind of guide for them to the world of football, and um, yeah, so far it's it's been it's been quite fun. Our like a two years, it's mm. great. Our national league uh, correspondent reckons that there's not much difference between that league and League Two, so there's no reason why they shouldn't do really well next season. Yeah, well, and we we sort of built this squad with an eye to trying to go and compete in in League Two. And um, as you say, I completely agree that you know the difference between the top five ten in the National League and the bottom, you know, five ten in um, in League Two is is negligible. And you know, we've this year obviously it's it's the FA Cup. And it's a very different thing, but we've gone toe to toe with Coventry and and Sheffield United over over two. Um, uh, iterations of of the FA Cup uh, uh, ties this year, and you know we're hoping that we can we can go and make a big splash in League Two. Yeah, one of the, I've said on the show before. One of the amazing things is not just the fact that the the you guys and the owners have embraced the the town and the team and the club. It's it's that Rob and Ryan have fallen in love with football, and mm. especially maybe you know you'd eased. Uh, Rob into it but kind of Ryan coming to it late sort of coaxed into it by Rob and but they've loved the game they've loved the drama of the game and it's kind of it's lovely to watch two guys fall in love with a game that we already love yeah well they've they've come to it with a you know I think both of them played it at one time or another as as kids but you know in, in the US and in Canada that has historically tended to fall away and be replaced by American football or baseball or basketball as the, as the main sport that they care about so they kind of, yeah, they came very, very fresh to it. And, you know, the thing they fell in love with, funnily enough, wasn't the action on the pitch. It was it was what happens in the stands and what happens in the town on, on a match day and all those things. That was what really kind of astonished them. And then I think they've, they've caught the bug actually with the football itself. I mean, if you watch the documentary, you can see the game, which was our FA Trophy semi-final against Stockport last year, where Ryan 
suddenly it just clicked for him. Mm. You know, he was into it. He was interested in it. He was excited to be there. It was always something he was taking very seriously, but it was, it was a bit, it was quite academic before. And I think then when, when Paul, because essentially for those that aren't intimately familiar with our FA trophy games of last season, <laughs> um, Paul, uh, Paul Mullins scored two goals in the last uh, minute, you know, 90th, 93rd minute to beat Stockport, who we were trying to chase down in the league at the time. And it gave us a real belief that we were going to catch them. Ultimately, we didn't. But that was the day everybody started to think, oh, my God, I think we're going to we're going to overhaul them here. Albeit it's in the trophy, but it was just this feeling of like, oh, we, maybe we are better than them. Mm. Um, and you see him just fall in love. And, and it has been ever since, you know, that has been exactly... Uh, you know, at the very forefront of his mind, I think, you know, we've, uh, you know, today alone, uh, there have been 20, 30 messages in the WhatsApp group. They've, you know, they've only just woke up o- over their side of the pond and, and already it's, we're talking about, oh, when's this, is it going to be a parade? When's that going to be? What's the plan? Like, how's, <laughs> how's this player doing? You know, I know so-and-so picked up a knock. Is he going to be available for Saturday? And, that, you know, that's a dead rubber game, but they, they still, they want to know everything. They just want to live it. <laughs> Well, not if Torquay win 7 0, it's not dead. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what <laughs> that's our, true. Our, our producer John and Charlie Baker very much hoping that you're, you're yes. laid down. It's a big week of celebrating for the boys, but mm. yeah, I mean, listen, I, I have to admit my, my, my friendship and relationship with John and Charlie, just in case anything mad does happen, <laughs> I've, I've got no say in team selection <laughs> no, on Saturday. No, no. So that's not that's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, you mentioned Paul <laughs> Mullen there, and uh, he, he did impress in the, in the games against Sheffield United, yeah. And, is he how good? Is he and is he good enough for what level? I mean, well, you could feel he could play in the gym. Looking, I mean, at he's putting the ball in the net is putting the ball in the net, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, what a goal yeah. that was the other day. That that second goal of the game. Yeah, no, I mean, Paul's an extraordinary player. I mean, we we cannot believe our luck of of getting our hands on him because there's always a lot of speculation online. Oh, we're paying him, you know, ten million quid a year, or we're doing this, we're doing that, we're doing the other. As is so often the case in football, transfers can come down to some quite strangely mundane things i mean ultimately he was at cambridge united he wouldn't wanted to move back to liverpool he's just had a had a son um wanted to be with his family didn't want to be driving two and a half hours every day to training and um you know he he was getting offers from clubs in league one and things like that but they they were all down south they're in london and kent and you know wherever else it may be so we were poised you know yes we had the resources to be able to match offers for 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 League Two, League One clubs, but we we also the main thing was we just geographically were much better for him. And then subsequently, we've discovered that he's an even better player than we thought and hoped. And as you say, you know, he he absolutely terrorised both Coventry and Sheffield United, who are two top Championship teams. I mean, I think he's, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, we're hoping that he will he will travel with us up the leagues and and still be banging them in when we are one or two levels above where we where we're going to be next year. It must feel a long time ago now, Humphrey, that you're having to win the trust um, because there was scepticism and suspicion around it yeah. uh, when the guys first said that they would be Understandably. Yeah, of course, and everything. The fans have been stung before. The club nearly went out of business. So was there a moment? Was there a moment you think they realised that we're on the level? They realised now that, that we're for real and you know they, they don't have to worry about the fact that Rob and Ryan are the owners because they've got the club's best interests at heart. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's hard to it's hard to know when the exact moment turned for you know for any fans that may have, may have had doubts. Well, I was always made to feel so welcome from the moment I arrived at the club and in the town. Um, everybody was incredibly friendly. But I I, I often talk about um, 
the first game I attended at the race course with fans, which was which was, you know, we had a half a season where we were still playing behind closed doors or we, you know, we got a, we got a small number of fans into the final game of the season. And we had a game against Chesterfield at home last season. That was the first one I could get to because I had to be back in the in the US for the first month or so of the season. And being in there and being with, you know, 10,000 or it was probably only about 9,000 then, which was, you know, still a fantastic crowd. But it was before we reached the point we are now where we sell out every single game. Um, and, you know, we didn't play great. And um, Paul actually, of course, scored a late equaliser to, to make it 1-1. And just the feeling, the energy in the place, the sense that people were so excited to be there, so happy to have their football club back and have a sense of there's a future and we're heading in the right direction. So that, that's a day I, uh, that will stay with me for a long time mm. um, as a, as a sense of excitement. But yeah, I mean, I, I think the doubters, what doubters we had have become believers and, and, you know, we slightly relish um, uh, disappointing anybody outside of the football club that was hoping that this was a big gimmick and a, you know, a stunt and somehow disrespectful or inappropriate or whatever it may be, because, I think our fans, especially in the last forty-eight hours, have have been really feeling like you know all their their cows, chickens came home to roost yes. at the same time. Whatever the phrase is, chickens, cows, the cows, the, the chickens, pigs, <laughs> goats, you know, sheep. I should say, as a, as a North Wales football team, all there, our sheep have come home. There was a surreal moment at the end of the game, wasn't there, when Ryan Reynolds was on the pitch, Deadpool's on the pitch, uh, talking up the quality of Boreham Woods defending. It's like a sort yeah. of parallel universe, really. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited because I, I really hope that it has had a, a knock-on effect and that people around the UK and beyond have realised how great lower league football is. And I, I'm I'm the perfect example of, as you can tell from my thick, brutal accent, I grew <laughs> up as a, as a Liverpool fan in Berkshire. And, you know, I, I'm the perfect example of someone who, who got seduced by the glamour of the Premier League and was like, oh, that's why I want to, you know, I want to do that. All my mates at school talk about that. That's what I want to be into. But there is so much brilliant, vibrant, dramatic, exciting football happening right on people's doorsteps. You can get in for anywhere from six six to 20 quid in, into into watch you know lower league grounds all around the country and you'll have a brilliant brilliant afternoon so um yeah i hope i hope if anything else we we've done if, if a few people have started to decide to go and see altringham or boreham wood or whoever it is then that's that's a brilliant knock-on effect mm. what just it take to go from the national league to the premier league what would it take? Yeah, I mean, well, mm. that brings up the FFP thing, doesn't it? As you as you rise through the leagues, is that? Is yeah. that I mean, your crowds are good. You're building the the, the new stand as well, which will increase. Yeah. It. So you think from a, from your point of view, you think you'll be able to balance the books from that point of view? Definitely, think we'll be able to balance the books in the near future. I mean, we we sold twenty five thousand uh, kits this this season, and we've ordered thirty five thousand for next year because we. <laughs> We know that we'll sell that. I mean, that's 35,000. By the way, that's the pre-Christmas order. So if we shift a lot of those over the course of the summer, we'll be ordering more in in time for Christmas. And that is, I mean, that's extraordinary. That's a lot for a championship club. So, you know, in that area, FFP, yes, is is not a huge concern of ours. We've obviously got to abide by it and take it seriously. But we know that our revenue is, is... you know, extraordinary for a club at, at this level. Mm. Um, to get to the Premier League, you know, yes, you need, you need good luck, you need good judgment, you need to make the right uh, signings, the right appointments and in, into different roles as we accrue more roles as we go forward, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, head of data analysis or things that we at this present time don't have, all of those choices have to be good. And then, you know, ultimately you need a, a shed load of cash because... <laughs> 
nowadays to go to make that jump from the champ i mean to make the jump from the bottom half of the championship to the top half of the championship mm. you need a fair fair wadge of money and then you know ultimately if we need to go up then you know if we if we want to go up then probably we would we would need to bring in outside investment but that's not again that's not something that we're too worried about because at the moment we have people knocking on our door a lot saying oh can we can we invest can we partner with you can we do this can we do that and you know at the moment we don't need it in the moment we we very much like the way we do things but you know in in due course there may be a point where i've said this before in a slightly facetious way but we need to find someone who's like yeah i'll flush 200 million quid on uh, a bunch of players and the hope that you can get up into the, into the premier league um it's it's more sophisticated than that anyone who's listening who's thinking of investing and yeah. uh, we would treat your money with great respect but you know that's that's the that's the sort of stupid way of putting mm-hmm. it but yes you you will you need that big investment but you know for us we look at Luton town who who beat us in a in a playoff um uh, you know shootout not not mm-hmm. that long ago uh, and we look at um Brighton and Brentford and um yeah. many other teams that we have locked horns with not that long ago and say well if they can do it why can't we and very quickly, uh, your life as well, you know, talking of uh, surreal mm. moments and parallel universes, you're currently in American Auto, the big US sitcom. People can see you in there. I am. Yet on another day, you can be dealing with the kind of mundane uh, business <laughs> of running a lower league football yeah. club and sitting in on meetings. It must. It, there must have been times you think, what, what is going on here? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think that all day, every day, really, on <laughs> wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, I've been incredibly fortunate the last couple of years. Yeah, I will sometimes find myself sort of sitting in, uh, in like a chair, having makeup put on my face in in America to to start filming, and then get an email that's like, Altrincham said they won't give us enough car parking spaces for all the directors <laughs> next week. Um, what should we do? Um, and um, you know, uh, other important matters of state. I I picked Altrincham at random. They're always very kind, and helpful. I'm sure it was. I'm sure they would they always give us the right parking spaces. But yeah, the the the. Um, yeah, it is. It's bizarre. But again, I'm very, very fortunate because we one of the things that both Rob and Ryan said very early on, and, and we've continued with this philosophy is recognizing that we uh, don't know how to run a football club. You know, it, we we understand the ethos of what's required and we we're learning fast, but we surrounded ourselves with people who do know how to run a football club. And our philosophy is we should empower them and support them and not interfere. You know, the the, the day that one of us is like, oh, we should be playing, a, you know, let, let's go to four four two from the three five two and start mm. interfering. I think is the day that disaster beckons. Can you ring Todd Bowley up and tell him that? Yeah. <laughs> and your bitter Chelsea. <laughs> fans. That's absolutely spot on. Yeah, that's no, exactly what Bowley and the other guy should have done. They shouldn't have got okay. involved. Well, you don't expect Humphrey because mm. they're going to get Chelsea in the cup and it's all going to kick off. He's already upset. All well, we've got, we got, we're to. playing a playing them in a friendly on July. Oh, the of course 19th, you are. That's right. That's or, right. Or 16th or something. Whenever it is yeah, coming up right. soon, that'll be them trying to nick Mullin when it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. The offer comes yeah. in for twenty five million. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Here we are. That was this afternoon show. We reconvene tomorrow. Myself and. Charlie Baker we've got loads of live football for you this week and we'll be reflecting that in the shows so I do hope you can join us tomorrow Andy back on Wednesday and a big one again also live on Chelsea Brentford Chelsea Brentford yeah and and of course Manchester City Arsenal so yeah we're with you from one do hope you can join us and if if not the podcast will be available as always at around four you've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.